Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. The Last Kids on Earth and their superhero alter egos are back in the latest installment of the graphic novel spinoff series, The Last Comics on Earth, Too Many Villains. Jack, June, Quint, and Dirk face their biggest challenge yet, creating the sequel to their hit graphic novel in a mad dash, puzzle-filled race across Apocalyptia to stop the biggest evil plan in history. Hey, you know what the creators of Last Comics on Earth's evil plan is? Make me and my kids love these books. Seriously, my younger kid is a huge fan of both the Last Kid series and the Last Comic series. It's true. And now I'm hooked too. The whole team has created a delightful cast of characters with some fantastic kid-friendly art throughout that will appeal to readers of all ages. Buy your copy of The Last Comics on Earth in stores today. You can also visit lastkidsonearth.com to learn more. What is up, everybody? Welcome to The Stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. And on The Stack, we review a bunch of comics that are out this very day, and we're going to have a bunch of advanced reviews for you as well, so get ready for that. A look into the future. Ooh, some prognostication. We gaze into our crystal ball and have medium temperature takes. <laughs> we are not going to spoil much. That's what you want in a good psychic, is a psychic that gives you the broad strokes but doesn't spoil the details. <laughs> right. Ooh, I'm, I'm seeing your future right now. Uh, it's uh. pretty good, but um, the next issue is when it's going to really unfold. <laughs> I like the first half, but not the second half so much. Ooh, good. Did you see, by the way, you know there's this horror movie countdown is coming out? Looks like it sounded stupid, and then I saw the trailer, and I was like, well, this is stupid, but it seems fun stupid. Okay. It's like Final Destination, but with an app, so people get this app they download, and it tells you how long until you're going to die, oh. which is like cute, and then people are like, you're going to die in two days, and these monsters come to get them or whatever. I don't know. But they actually released the app. Ooh, which is pretty tricky, fucked up. Yeah, I'm terrified. And it works. Did you? And you downloaded it. I and downloaded it, it, and I have uh, 20 minutes to live. Oh, that's fine. I'll be here. This is perfect. Yeah, you'll see it happen. I have an app that tells me when I'm going to murder someone. <laughs> oh, when is that? Uh, 19 minutes. Oh, jeez. All right. Could be unrelated. <laughs> Probably. Uh, who knows where Pete is? Let's jump into it and talk about Marauders, number one from Marvel Comics. Now, this is the first book in the rebooted line of X-Men that is not written by Jonathan Hickman. This is written by Jerry Dugan. Uh, and in my mind, this was very much the test of concept for this whole reboot of yes, X-Men. Yes, exactly. And I would say they pass. Yes, uh, it works. And it's such a tonal difference, uh, a total tonal difference from the, the Hickman stuff. Yeah. It has the, the classic uh, Jerry Dugan, like, it's, there's some fun, there's some lightness. Characters are being a little more, like, uh, rebellious, I guess, is uh, yeah. the theme of this book. And there's some mystery there, uh, which is nice. And just X-Men being X-Men. Yeah, this is real good. So the concept of the book, uh, Kitty Pride is about to go to Krakoa with the rest of the mutants, but Krakoa won't let her through a gateway. Rejected. Yeah, so she ends up sailing there instead, uh, and over the course of the issue, it becomes revealed she has a little bit of a deal with Emma Frost. What Emma wants her to do 
is basically take that anger over not being let through the gateway and find other mutants who are being blocked from going through the gateway, usually by their governments for whatever reason, uh, and rescue them as well as transfer goods, etc. Essentially be the pirates of the X-Men side of the Marvel Universe. She ends up recruiting a couple of other folks over the course of the issue. Mm. Uh, There's, like you said, a little bit of mystery there. I'm certainly suspicious of what's going on with Kitty. What do you mean by suspicious? You're suspicious of her. I'm suspicious of her. Like she is like, she's pretending to not be able to walk through the door. Like if I was like, Alex, I can't get through this door. And you were like, that's just air. Yeah, just go through. No, so there's that one panel where she's looking at one of the ex-kids and she says something very mean to them. And it's kind of a terrifying panel. She does seem meaner. And she's like drinking Canadian whiskey in a way that seems unlike her. Right. So it does feel like there's something going on with Kitty. We don't know what it is yet. Also, she ends up calling them Marauders. So my, I'm completely forgetting the name of the character. I think it's Malice, the one who's the necklace, the evil necklace. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. So I'm wondering if this is actually like Malice or something like that has taken over Kitty, and that's why she can't go through. Well, really, any X-Men or villain, any mutant from any point in history is on the table because we get the original Pyro returns in this yeah. uh, issue, which I thought... Very casually, like, yeah, I died so long ago, but I'm back because that's the way it works. This is another thing that I think was really neat in terms of the proof of concept is we know that part of the goal that Xavier and Magneto have is to not just resurrect mutants if they die, but bring back the ones that are gone. And in this case, we find out, uh, or rather, Iceman finds out based on his uh, accent that this is the original Pyro. Yeah. Uh, So that's another thing that we're going to see coming back is... Random resurrections across the board. Uh, that's interesting. Yeah, now they can like retell and riff on like basically any big X Men story mm-hmm. uh, in all of X Men history. Like that's wild. Yes, uh, it feels like this is making the X Men as a sort of separate universe uh, very mythological. Like they can retell mm-hmm. these stories and sort of perfect stories and characters that we've lost. Uh, Two other things that I really liked about this. One is the sense that not every mutant is totally gung-ho about Krakoa. We've been talking a bit how they feel like this cult of X running through the comic books right now. This pushes back on that. It's not just Kitty. It's also Wolverine, who gives her a whole grocery list of stuff. I thought that was very funny. That was my favorite part of the issue. Yeah, super fun. Uh, And the other thing that I liked about it uh, was... I did like Dugan continuing the text pages in the middle. Yeah. I think that's a nice visual riff to continue. And I hope it does continue because I think ultimately makes the comic a richer experience. Yeah. And uh, just marries the line together in a nice way since it seems like the the writers are going to have a lot of freedom to tell this kind of story Mm -hmm. they want to tell and the way they want to tell it, which is fantastic. Yes. I'm also curious to see, to be perfectly honest, I haven't been paying too much attention to the lineups, how much crossover there's going to be with the lineup. Like right now, by the end of the issue, spoiler, but on the boat, we have Kitty, Storm, Iceman, Pyro, and Lockheed. Lockheed. There's nobody else, right? I think that's it. Yeah. There's a couple of other characters that are kind of in the orbit there, but they're the main ones who are off the board right now. I hope that continues. I hope it's like, nope, they're just on this team. They're off doing this thing while everybody else is doing their other thing. Well, don't you think Wolverine's going to have to be like, sorry, I have to go home and have sex with um, Jean Grey and Scott <laughs> Summers? <laughs> yeah. Got to have my nice little ship. throuple going on. Yeah. Because that's uh, something that can't we... do that on a boat. No. Well, you can definitely I, can. can you? Almost, I bet it happens more on boats. You think so? Yeah, yeah. Swapples yeah. on a boat? I don't know. I'd get seasick. Yeah, that's definitely the hardest part. <laughs> 
Uh, hardest part. All right, let's move on to a DC comic, Black Adam, Year of the Villain, number one. This continues the Year of the Villain one-shots that they're rolling out. This one ties into continuity even more heavily than any of the other ones. Honestly, this book, I was like, yo, DC has so much going on right now. It, in a way that is, like, cool in one way, but also, like, so crazy. There's the uh, Doom versus Justice stuff uh, going on that is what Year of the Villain is ostensibly all about, mostly based in the Justice League uh, flagship title. But also we have um, the Batman Who Laughs stuff is all through this because we get Shazam, who's all jokered up. Uh, there's some reference to the Leviathan thing in here. It's yeah. crazy. It and is the, crazy. The fact that they are able to coexist here is amazing. Uh, I was very surprised and impressed by this comic. Yeah. Uh, because I thought it could go either way. I have enjoyed these one shots so far. Uh, often you get a mixed bag. It's mostly like it feels like a money grab when you're doing these spinoff one shots. But everybody has been putting so much care and precision into absolutely everyone. This really feels like a great mission statement for Black Adam as he goes up against the Shazam who laughs or whatever you want to call him. Uh, and... One thing that really works when a Black Adam story works is that it doesn't necessarily redeem him. Like, he's not a good guy, but he is a loyal guy, and that comes through here. When you really get it in his head, you get his sort of governing philosophy. And what I like about this is he spends the last like couple pages of the books talking about how he's like, I made a mistake, and talks to his people. And I thought that was really cool. It made him feel like a benevolent leader, even though he is a, technically a supervillain. He does feel like someone who is like a, a Dr. Doom who's even more on the side of like, I yeah. want to do what's right for my people. Yeah. With Dr. Doom, it always feels like, I believe in the Latverians, but I might disintegrate them. Yes. I Just, also hate them. Richard. Yes. Uh, yeah. He's so, like uh, Dr. Doom without all the face hangups. Oh, he's yeah. Because he's got that he's pristine, got a, oh my God. The, Dwayne the Rock Johnson style mm -hmm. face. The, the eyebrow. Oh, Just cocked up. Love great it. stuff. Yeah. Gold cocked up eyebrow. Cocked. Yeah. Moving on. This is an advanced one from Image Comics. This is a biggie. Undiscovered Country number one. This is by Charles Soule and Scott Snyder teaming up to tell what some folks are calling the next Walking Dead. It's already sold out in advance. Uh, and it's been optioned for a movie, I believe, as yes, well. Yes, right? I think it's, uh, yeah. Movie, this book is going to be series, Queeby series. I'm not 100% oh, sure. Oh, yeah. It's going to be quick bited, uh, <laughs> 10 minute bursts uh, for my Quibi heads out there. Um, this is, uh, is going to be a huge book. And uh, reading it, obviously, we're not going to give uh, much in the way of sure. talking about the plot. But um, it's, I really liked it. It feels like they're uh, a Jurassic Park with a little more sort of political underpinnings and more yeah. sort of societal look on society. I did not know at all what to expect going in this. I think they have said that the concept is that the United States has been walled off for a very long time. 30 years. Uh, 30 years. Some people venture inside the United States. But the direction that it goes in is pretty shocking and surprising almost immediately. Yeah. The visuals are fantastic, fantastic. out yeah. of this world. Uh, it instantly creates a new sci-fi world where, again, it, it, there's parts of it, particularly at the beginning of the book, where it feels like, okay, you, you got the stuff going on that I've seen in other aspects of sci-fi, but it very quickly spins it out into its own mythology, its own characters. Uh, this is very exciting. I'm excited to see where this goes next. Yeah, I thought it was a great first issue. A lot of stuff is established while still uh, doesn't fly off the rails or you don't feel like 
over bombarded with exposition or information. And the characters, uh, you don't learn a ton about them, but especially the main character, uh, the doctor, um, she's an interesting character that I'm yeah. excited to follow sort of her journey. It's great. I also think Charles Soule and Scott Snyder balance each other out very nicely. Uh, in terms of the writing, it blends very nicely. Uh, they're both very good. Ri- what? Because you know, it? Scott's going to be like, and then nth metal, and Charles is like, hey, hey, no, 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 this no, is not no, a DC. No. Then Scott's like, well, what if Batman? And he's like, no, 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 just let's do no. this. And Charles Soule is like, yo, Star Wars, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, blah. and then Scott's like, nah, enough, dude. Yeah, basically what we're saying is they're out of control. Yeah, the two of them. Uh, no, seeing them together on this is, is super exciting, super great. This is going to be a huge book, I think. I agree. Definitely pick that up when it's out November sixth. Next one, there's another biggie from Marvel Comics: The Immortal Hulk, number twenty five. Oh, oh, this was a meal. It sure was. This is one of those comic books that, not to overestimate my own intelligence, but this is one of those books. That Please do not a, overestimate your intelligence. Well, what I'm saying is that, like, this is one of those books where I'm like, I don't, I don't know if I'm smart enough to get this. Nice. Uh, it's definitely there's so much going on. It's so deep. It's so complex. It, I could feel my brain creaking while I'm reading it. Uh, this issue jumps hugely far ahead to the future, past the end of the Marvel Universe, follows two beings that aren't even really beings at all. They're more energy forms, I guess. Yeah. They're the very last creatures uh, in the universe, I right. would say. Um, and they are trying to save the last star that is in danger of going out because of this great uh, green menace. Uh, green is the color of death. I loved all of this imagery yeah. stuff. And I thought this was great. Um, I don't... Well, I'm going to say I'm super smart, so I definitely got it. Nice. Uh, uh, just real quick, explain everything to me. Uh, no, well, I do think the idea is that if Hulk is the strongest one there is, then eventually, by the end of the universe, he will have right. uh, elevated to be a Galactus-like figure. And I think that's what we get here. Um, uh, I thought it was fantastic. Also, the idea that his, because his rage is unending, it will never stop until the entire world, the entire country, uh, world, universe, everything is destroyed along with him. Yeah, what it does very effectively and what they've been doing all along is they've been running the gamut on this title of is the Hulk a villain? Is he a good guy? What exactly is he? And ultimately what I think this hits on uh, to your point is he is a force of nature. Yeah. He is unstoppable. He is inevitable uh, to the point where uh, about three quarters of the way through this issue, we find out the Hulk is essentially dead. He's just moving through the universe, destroying things. And that's the only thing he is at this point. Yeah. Uh, so good. And then there's the big reveal at the end of the issue, which is also fantastic. Yeah. Uh, it's great. Um, I also like the idea uh, Al Ewing has gotten so much credit for being like, oh, it's a horror book. It's a horror book. It's a horror book. And this issue is in particularly a sci-fi book. Yeah. And to be able to fold that in seamlessly and have it resonate with the rest of the series and carry the themes forward in a wildly different type of story, I thought was awesome. And just like sort of he's like stunting on uh, us as readers because he this book became a huge seller. And now he's getting to really tell any story he wants. Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. Definitely pick it up. Next one from DC Comics, Batman Superman number three. More Jokerized heroes. This time it's Superman himself. He is undercover. As we all know, Superman, the stealthiest superhero. Yes. He is undercover trying to find out what the Batman who laughs. I always want to say the Joker who laughs. It's the Batman. Yeah, the Batman. Bruce Wayne. 
Yeah. He's yes. laughing. Yes. So it's that's just why like he's having a good he's time. Crazy. He's crazy. He's a giggler. Creepy. He's a goofy giggler. Yes. Uh, he is trying to find out what's going on with him, what his ultimate plan is. And by the end, we find out a lot more about it. How'd you feel about this issue? Uh, I love the Batman Superman team up book in general. There's been a number of iterations over the last like 10, 15 years. Um, seeing them together is really nice. And, uh, the fact that it's so focused on Batman Who Laughs uh, is cool for a little while, but I'm looking forward to when they sort of move out and get to do standalone adventures and uh, things like that. Um, I feel like we've gotten a lot of the Batman Who Laughs. Really loved the last series, the Scott Snyder series. So I need a break from it mentally. I, think. I, I agree. Yes. Uh, I, I, think I want Joshua, the Batman who's serious. We have that, too. That's also in the issue. Oh, oh yeah. I guess he's yeah. there. And Regular the Superman Batman. who's just fine. Yeah. Doing okay. The, uh, I, I agree with you on that. I think Joshua Williamson is doing a great job with the story. This is a good, fun superhero epic. The thing that happens at the end of this issue, the new reveal of the new Jokerized hero is fun. The design is fun. This is definitely big, enjoyable superhero throughout. Um, but yes, I think once this will be done, it'll be great to see Josh work on some other things with these heroes yeah. uh, because he does a great job of capturing their voices. So good, it's yeah. fun. The action is good. Excited to see what's coming next as well. Moving on to a valiant comic book, Dr. Mirage number three. Man, this book is a trip. Yes. And the art, what I love about the you, the artist here is the art is so grounded and expressive uh, and specific in a way that I think grounds, it allows the book to be as crazy as it is. Yeah, I, I really like this issue. It's a very quick read, but mostly because the art is taking over the book. Uh, and I think uh, there's a bit of a step back to allow for that. Um, but it's... Mixing Egyptian mythology and uh, Kirby-esque looks while having its own feel. Uh, it's great. I, I'm, I, we talked about this before on the show, and we had Mag Visaggio on the show a couple of weeks ago, yeah. I guess, uh, where she talked about it. Uh, this is definitely like a... I'm not a huge fan of the magical books, usually. But you hate I magic. Mean, I don't like magic. I like yeah. real yeah, no. Keep totally. it real. I tried to do a card trick on you, and you like no really hated it. The other day, you tried to hand me a cheese sandwich with mustard, and I was like, "Nope, no yeah. mustard." Oh boy, it keep was going to pl- be keep it plain. The prank was going to be crazy on that. Yeah, I'm too spicy for my face, you know. Yeah, uh, this book is great. Definitely pick this up. Next one up, also from Marvel Comics, the Amazing Mary Jane number one. This is the first ever solo title. For Spider-Man's girlfriend, Mary Jane, she is in California filming a movie with a guy who we know, but she doesn't know until midway through the book, is actually Mysterio. We find out a little bit more about how Hollywood works, uh, and we get a cameo from, and this blew my mind, Spider-Man. Yeah, who would have seen this guy coming? Yes. Um, And they did it through the, the phone. Yes. So, because he's not there. No, he's not. That's... What did you think about this book? Uh, I like it. It's, um, I've always loved Mary Jane uh, as uh, as a standalone character, as well as uh, the uh, girlfriend slash wife slash not wife of uh, one Peter Parker. Um, so, it it is interesting to see her out in L.A. I think that's a natural fit. I will say, I'm surprised she signed on to do this movie with villains. Yeah. It felt a little, like, uh, odd. 
But um, right. the fact that she's like, it's really good for my career. I'd like to see more of her internal thinking um, mm-hmm. as we move forward. So it th- doesn't sound so just like, I'm just doing this. It's a little bit of a weird thing because I'm totally blanking on the name of the villain over in Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, Retribution, Revenge, Vendetta, whatever his name is. The dude with the earthworms. Yeah. Uh, uh, the uh, like centipedes. Yeah, so the big old centipedes coming yeah. out of his back or whatever's going on. Yeah. Uh, he, I believe, is the one who sent Mysterio to go do this to get he Mary, orchestrated it, Mary yeah. Jane out of the way. That detail makes this a little weird to me. Yeah. If it wasn't for that detail, I would feel like, oh, the idea that Quentin Beck is trying to redeem himself on this movie set. Yeah. All these other villains are above the board. He's trying to redeem them as well. And worse villains are coming for them. That's fun. That's a fun setup, and it's fun to throw Mary Jade in the middle of that. Uh, that centipede dude gives me a little bit of hesitance because I enjoyed this book enough. I don't want it to tie into the other thing. Oh, I mean, I think it must. Right. Uh, this feels also like an extension of the uh, book, the Spider-Man book that uh, Peter David did, that Mysterio was the villain of, uh, oh, which right. was set yeah. in, back in like the mid-'90s when he, uh, Spider-Man was dating Felicia Hardy. Yeah. Um, and that dealt with Mysterio a lot. And this feels like an extension of him. She, in that book, he was trying to, sort of trying to be a better person. And now Kiri is trying to do the same thing here. So I, I like that it connects to these sort of recent stories. Um, but I am curious how it will continue to stand alone and what's going to happen to Mary right. Jane. Yeah. Uh, Whatever I, happened to Mary Jane? Great question. Uh, one thing that I will call up particularly that I thought was super cute was they have a, uh, over the phone, they have a 22nd dance party. Yeah. Super adorable. And yeah, we do that. Yeah. Uh, I call you up every day and we have a 22nd yes, dance party. my coworkers do not like it. <laughs> <laughs> Another advanced one from Image out November 13th, Family Tree. Family yes. Tree from Image Comic Books. Uh, without getting too much into spoilers, what do you think about this one? Uh, I like this. This is uh, Jeff Lemire and Phil Hester, I think, yeah. uh, doing it. I love Phil Hester's art, and this is uh, it's well, well, got, well done here, well executed um, for what this story is. Super tense, tense stuff. Yes, uh, dreadful things coming the way down the pipeline, and uh, good. I don't want to say too much more because of... Yeah, I think if you are a fan of Jeff Lemire, you're going to want to check this out because he always delivers a reliable story, Yeah, uh, and he does here as well. Again, this is very vague, but um, as you said, some messed up stuff happens. So stay messed up out there and stay on this book. Let's talk about another messed up book, also from Image, coming out November 27th, just in time for Thanksgiving. Philadelphia. Oh. Yes. Which is different than Flipadelphia from It's Always Sunny, which is like a cup flipping. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. Competition. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, this, uh, I love the art on this as well. Like oh the watercolors. Uh, so good. Very cool. Um, it was a little confusing at points uh, exactly what was happening, yeah. but I like where it ends up uh, in a nice uh, way. I agree. It, this is another one that's hard to spoil. It's a guy kind of investigating a case, sort of looking into his family and what's going on. His, his father uh, dies like right. right at the beginning of the issue, and then it's him following the path, and his, his father was an investigator as well. And a lot of twists and turns about what his father was working on and what is happening in Philadelphia, which is actually Philadelphia. Right. Yeah. It's different than Kiltsburg. Yes. Right. 
which is in Scotland, obviously, (laughs) um, and a great place to not wear underwear. Yes. Uh, This book is very good as well, particularly for the art, and I was very into it in the last couple of pages when there's a couple of big, rather horrifying reveals as you go on. I don't think it's too much of a spoiler to say that a book called Philadelphia has horrifying things in it. Yes, that's right. Yes. Uh, Though I was up in the Catskills recently, and there's very little killing up there these days. Huh. Uh, next one to talk about another Spider-Man book, Amazing Spider-Man Full Circle Number One. This this book is uh, wild. It is wild. Yes. Uh, but it was so it was written in an int- written and drawn in an interesting way. Um, a ton of Marvel creators got together and they told the story in a bunch of different parts. So different writing uh, an artist team would take over and carry the book forward. Uh, sort of exquisite corpse style. If uh-huh. you uh, know what we're talking about, do you want to explain that? That's where it's basically what I just said, where a different person uh, takes over to the writing of a project. Uh, I'm still not getting it. Okay, um, <laughs> it's like how it would, when a corpse, when a, a body is found, it takes a different team of writers to make the corpse beautiful. Oh, okay, all right. Now I know what you're talking uh, about. It's an old funeral director term. Yes, like we as a group have to make this corpse right. exquisite. You take the leg, I'll take the arm, and let's hope we all choose clown as our theme. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, this is a woolly story. That's sort of what I was thinking the entire time, where it's just like meandering all over the place and repeating things. I I liked this, but it felt a little bit like reading somebody's dream written down. Yeah, but I think they lean into that, and I sort of liked that uh, of it. it. Especially Spider-Man's such a good character to use for something like this, because... All his like regular issues feel sort of crazy, where he sure. keeps getting thrown into different things. He's sometimes unaware of what's happening until like right at the very end, which is what happens here. I I would like to see. I love the the riffs they take, and uh, some of them are funny, some of them are less more serious, more dramatic. And I would like to see uh, this done on a regular basis. I I would love to see them go for it, but shorter. Frankly, right. Like this was about 90 pages long, I want to say. So it's almost uh, several full issues. Right. Um, I was expecting going into it that it would be one issue and they'd almost do like page, 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 page. Mm. Sort of what I thought they were going for with Marvel Comics with Thousand, but they also were not going for that there. Right. That to me would be the way to do this sort of thing. So it's like you flip every page. All you get is, say, the last panel from the previous page. Right. And you have to work off of this. The way you read this, there was clearly a bunch of massaging and tweaking that was done after the scripts came in, because there's things that if you're really doing it exquisite corpse style, they never would have recurred in every segment like that. It right? Just yeah, I, I think it was sort of, uh, it, and it, it helps the story to make it sure. sort of make sense. Uh, but I do think it defeats a little bit of the fun of it, where it is this crazy riffy style where things are. Improv style, where it's like, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. That doesn't connect. Well, but the beauty of improv is that you often try to make those connections, and those connections happen naturally. Yeah, I, w- you- I wouldn't know. Everything I do is scripted. I know. It's disgusting. <laughs> Last one to talk about from DC Comics, Wonder Woman number 81. This is G. Willow Wilson's last issue on the title. It is a tie-in to the overall Legion of Doom thing that's going on as Cheetah fights against Wonder Woman and some other stuff happens. Uh, how'd you feel about this run? How'd you feel about this book? Uh, I Cheetah, to me, I don't know why Cheetah is, is the one. Maybe we've talked about this before. Why Cheetah is Wonder Woman's arch nemesis. They feel like they're characters from The opposite different... of a lady is a cat lady. 
yeah, I guess that's tag the lady or the tiger. Mm-hmm. I guess that's definitely true. Uh, we've all agreed with that about that uh, in society. Um, but they just seem like they have a history together, but otherwise it seems like a mismatch. Yeah. Uh, I, I like Cheetah. I think you could do a good Cheetah story. I'm trying to remember who did a very good Cheetah story back in the day. I'm blanking on it. But uh, this to me, the, this Wonder Woman was fine. It was good. It was solid. Uh, I think Gio listened did a good job. The art was very good and clean. Clearly, they were going for a very George Perez vibe on the yeah. title, and I think they nailed that. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. Either people take way too bold swings with Wonder Woman or they play it too safe with Wonder Woman. And I don't, I don't know where that middle ground is. You know, that, that story that is going to break through for her, that is going to be big in the way that the George Perez story was, or Greg Rucka's run was, or Gail Simone's run was. These were all really good, really interesting things, solid runs that added more to the mythology. And here, I feel like we're running on the same treadmill over and over again. Yeah, it feels like with Wonder Woman in the past few years, um, the stories keep making tiny loops where it's like her life changes a little bit and then it sort of comes back to normal and then changes and comes back to normal. So everything feels like, I feel like I've read this before a little bit. And like, especially Steve Trevor, it always feels like they're like, I love you, but I have to go do this other thing. Right. And it's like, let them be together or get them out of there for a while. Yeah. Uh, I'd love to see, even though I wasn't enamored of it the entire time, Brian Azzarello and Cliff Chiang's run uh, took such a big, crazy swing with Wonder Woman. It was still fascinating to read the entire time. That was when she was uh, the god of war and all of that? Uh, That was all of the gods had been exiled and she was slowly going around and reactivating them, I believe. Yeah, I love that. That so felt cool. I felt like Peter David's Incredible Hulk in the '90s, uh, where it was a very specific sort of map of story that they were dealing with, and you yeah. got to just see her sort of move through uh, through each uh, each arc. And Cliff Chang's art also helped a lot because it was yes. amazing. Yeah. Uh, but this was good. I, if you're looking for a good, solid Wonder Woman story, I think this is the way to go. Uh, Steve Orlando is coming on the book, and he did a great job with a couple of fill-in issues here and there yeah. on Wonder Woman. So I'm excited to see what he does and if he takes any big swings. Um, overall, again, good run, solid Wonder Woman story. Not necessarily anything hugely new, but if you're a fan of the character, worth picking up. My favorite Wonder Woman happening right now is over in Justice League Dark. Uh, yes. which I think is cool because it's a little bit out of her element because it is with this dark magic stuff, but she feels like the the a Wonder Woman who is standing alone in her own character in that book. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, all right, if you like our show and would like to support it, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. at the People's Improv Theater Loft in New York. Come on by and we will chat with you about comic books. Uh, also, what do you want to plug? Uh, friends on Facebook, so you can find out more information um, about us. And follow us on Twitter at Comic Book Live. Check us out at comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and more. You can subscribe on iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, or the app of your choice. Uh, and real quick note, but I actually died nine minutes ago. Yes. Uh, this is just one I, long passage. I gasp. very quietly killed him over oh. the course of talking. Well, it's been nice knowing all of you. Uninterrupted podcast murder. <laughs> <laughs>